chip on the floor, man. Some neighbors were saying way too loud. That's only in the morning. He supposed to be up cooking breakfast or somebody. That's like an alarm clock. Woo! Welcome back, everybody, to Loose Lug Nuts, the NASCAR podcast by the average fan for the average fan. I'm Evan Roberts. Joined alongside always is my partner, Thomas Dick. And Thomas, we had two fantastic races this weekend at Homestead, Miami. We'll break both of them down. But first, your overall thoughts on the weekend. Um, just I really like the, the, the fact that tire strategy played so much into it and like my favorite tracks are, are probably the, the shorter ones, Bristol and Martinsville, but I, I think uh, Homestead grew a little bit on me. I think in, in the past, I've never realized it because it was always the championship race and I was always just concentrating on the championship. And if my driver uh, did bad, I'd just be swearing and throwing shoes at the TV. So just to, to actually watch the race and, and have the championship not be on the line was sort of fun to watch. Yeah, and so we'll get started with the Xfinity race, which happened uh, Saturday night. And in the uh, first stage, uh, Austin Sendrick and J.J. Allmendinger were dueling pretty early. And that's where you mentioned the tire strategy playing out. And, you know, there's late yellows in, all this, in both the first and stage. And uh, cars came from 20-plus uh, places back to win those stages. But I thought it was very interesting to see the tire strategy playing out and then those two going at it early on. Well, and it played out much more in the Xfinity just because of the, the limited tires they get. And uh, people basically had to pick what yellow they wanted to use it on. And, and like different people in the first and second stage used it. And you could just see the cars on the new tires just flew like Almondinger, like in that first, he was the first stage, right? Yeah. Because yep. all the, uh, all the uh, colleague brothers went in. And they just, they were like hawks just soaring down and catching up with the poor little mouse that was really slow. And then they just had it in their talons and just kept going. And that, I mean, that was pretty fun to watch. And then, uh, I mean, <laughs> Noah used a strategy where he had, he had uh, two sets left in the last stage and, and he, and he should have won the race probably. Well, I think that that was the biggest story of the night, obviously was Noah Gregson. Uh, he had an astounding lead, got up to about nine seconds with about five laps left to go. And he is just passing everybody, all these lap cars. And then he got stuck uh, behind David Starr. And Gregson, you know, wouldn't get off the gas, wouldn't get off the gas. The announcers even kept talking about it. And Starr's uh, right front tire, I believe it was, went out. And he just goes straight into the wall. And Gregson just smashed right into the back of him. And he gave one of the best uh, post, uh, you know, came out of the care center, did an interview with FS1. We'll play that for you now. And it is an all-timer. Here it is. Just checked and released, led 34 laps. No, I don't even know where to start with that. What, how do you comprehend what just happened when you were leading this race? <laughs> what are you going to do? You got dip in the way every single week. But uh, very thankful for Johnny Morris and Bass Pro Shops. It's, I mean... It's a shame we've dominated the last three races, including this race, and have had stuff happen like that. But 
shop and go to the lobby, depress, de-stress myself out, get some Black Rifle coffee and maybe look at the fish there at the fish tank at Bass Pro Shops, but definitely a bummer. Um, they know who won this race um, based off speed the last three times we've been here and not not meant to show up, but Dave Allen's the rest of his guys, it, it's really unfortunate, um, but there's only one thing we know how to do and that's rebound and, and keep our heads up and, and be thankful for the opportunity. Uh, this is an opportunity to race a guy who I have dreamed about racing, Tyler Reddick on the top side. I was saving fuel there at the end, half throttled the last 30 laps and we were still pulling away. So I don't know, what are you gonna do? I appreciate all the fans for tuning in. And uh, if you're in Miami, let's go meet up at Bass Pro Shop, maybe get a little Black Rifle coffee and go get some True Timber apparel. <laughs> He'll try to rebound at his home track in Vegas next week. So there it was, uh, made me laugh. And I watched the replay again. It still made me laugh. And the way that he included the sponsors into it was pretty phenomenal. But again, he's angry. But this was all his fault, in my opinion. Well, and, and it it wasn't. I, I watched it again today. It wasn't five. It was three laps left when he really? hit him. And and the reason he had the, the nine second lead is um reddick was trying to save gas so he his lead had been five seconds and in two laps i went back to the eight eight close to nine I, I didn't use jeff gordon math on that one closer to nine seconds because he was off the throttle and to me the spotters or someone should have said dude you're you he was up by a whole front stretch and with three laps left i was telling you i would have been nowhere near the wall i would have just been on the bottom, I would have been in the paint as far away as you can get because all the cars were sort of from middle to top. There wasn't really many that he was coming up on that were that were on the bottom. I would have just, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, and there's like a three or four second gap in the whole race where that could have happened, and he just happened to be in that. So I mean, it's hard. I, it's hard to fault him, but I fault him. Yeah, you know, because who would have ever thought that the guy would blow enough and tire out at that exact second he was yeah. coming up on him? But I would have been nowhere near that place. Yeah, and like his lead was sizable enough to where you could even run on the bottom line, and you might be, you know, no one was going to catch him unless no they catch him in three laps, unless you severely mess up, which is what he did. No one would have caught him unless they magically put new tires on, <laughs> which you can't do at speed. And then, uh, what do we think about dipshit? Yeah, I see it. I, we got to come up with better names for, you know, for drivers. You know, I mean, you had a couple come on. And again, you're the more creative one. What are some other good names that you would call? I, I think, I think, was it Jamie Little that interviewed him? Yeah, I believe. I just, first of all, let's talk about Jamie Little. Like, here's a humble bride coming up. You and I, we deal with sideline people in the sports we work with. Um, we've worked with uh, some famous people, humble brag, Laura Rutledge and Aaron Andrews and whatnot. But the sports we work in, most of the time you're interviewing people after good stuff. Like she always has to go to the care center after accidents. <laughs> and the fact that she has to handle people that are usually very angry, kudos to her. Um, she always does great work. But if I was a driver, every time I, I would try to use a different one, like I would go through, I'd have a list like Tallywhacker and Gonad, uh, Taint, um, 
I try to like maybe a butt call someone a butthole, I think would be fun. Just uh, I dipshit would be a good start though. It Ooh, just, like, yeah, I was shocked. That he, like, I was shocked when I heard it. I was like, I've not, I haven't called anyone a dipshit in a while. I'm gonna have to pull that one out. And now, and my favorite was, you know, they didn't bleep it out in the when it was live. Then they yeah. tweeted out the video, they bleeped it out. And then I'm watching the replay Saturday night on Fox Sports 2, and they didn't bleep it out. So I'm like, why are you bleeping it out for Twitter, which where everything can go out? But then on you know, yeah. national TV, you're not bleeping it out. So I don't know the rules on it. I guess we should. And yeah. Industry and I never looked that. to see if he got fined. I don't know if adding dip to shit clears you. Yeah, I don't know. But it might. Yeah. And so I mentioned uh, David Starr is who uh, Noah Gregson uh, ran into after he blew a tire. And I kind of feel like we're idiots because we never really noticed how beautiful the Whataburger car is. And oh, it is. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I, I did a deep dive and like they've been sponsoring for a while, at least 2004. And I, I imagine it's a Texas tie and maybe someday we can get him as a guest and ask him. About he is that. a Houston native. And so I was writing notes down because he had a really good race. He started 40th and then he worked all his way up to the top 15. And again, he's a 53 year old driver and you know, the Xfinity's usually filled with all these young guys. I was so excited to talk about him and I could have taken notes during the race and then backside just got all <laughs> destroyed from Gregson. And, and we, I mean, we do have to do a better recon on our paint schemes thingy because yeah. that would have been one of my top three. That or the, okay. the Stillhouse car that uh, uh, Santino was driving was yeah. pretty. I, that's my favorite whiskey. Um, if anyone from Stillhouse is listening, uh, I'll do a sponsorship. Pretty, I come pretty cheap. So, you know, but a can of, it comes in an oil can. So I'll take a can of whiskey a week. There you go. Your guy, uh, Santino, finished 30th, two laps down. So, yeah, well, he was uh, out of it pretty early. And yeah, I was a little dis. It looked like he was going to get in the, in the fray, but he was out pretty early. So, Myatt Snyder did capture his first career uh, victory. And so, he kind of continued that trend of uh, first, uh, first time winners. Uh, and it was funny because he, he got bailed out. They went into the playoff after Gregson crashed. And he spun the tires on the restart, but then everybody behind him kind of got bundled up and Almondinger uh, got spun out. So they waved the flag, uh, yellow flag, so they restarted it and he just took off from there and then no one was going to catch up to him. So kind of learned from his mistake and he's lucky that he got that uh, second chance, but a first career win for Myatt Snyder. Yeah, and you could, I mean, it was, it's pretty cool when you can see a guy like instantly learn from his mistake. But the other thing I like, I was taking notes and like his pit crew won him that one because going into the first overtime, he was not like going into the pits. He wouldn't have been in the in the uh, top two. They got it. He moved up two or three places in that pit stop. So um, he won the, the race himself on that second one, but he wouldn't have been there had he uh, had the pit crew not got gotten him up there. So kudos to to. And I'm glad it's pronounced Maya because, like, back in the day when I he, I first saw his name, I was like, I hope this guy's name isn't Matt and he just spells like jackass. So I'm glad glad to hear it's actually Maya. But yeah, kudos to to Maya's pit crew. Um, you know, hopefully he buys you some beers. So then, then the other uh, big story post race was Tyler Reddick unofficially finished second. He uh, failed post race inspection. Uh, was, uh, I think the backside was a little bit too high. So he is credited with 
uh, 40th place finish. And that is his first non top 10 finish at Homestead, Miami. Yeah. And, uh, like I was getting ready to look up the last time someone was the uh, first loser in both races. And I'm glad I didn't put that research in. So, uh, Thank you for failing that uh, post-race inspection. And then they, uh, I did see that they had until uh, 12 uh, p.m. And, on Monday to... Uh, and they did not, they didn't... So he officially did not uh, record his first top 10 finish at Homestead, Miami. And here's another one, and another asinine rule that we're going to complain about. We don't complain too much on the podcast, but Daniel Hemrick uh, did not get a stop-and-go penalty for uncontrolled tires. <laughs> and they were so uncontrolled like they were all over the place and it, it, it's not so much like i like the rule that if a pit crew guy gets hit and he loses the tires or whatever you don't get the penalty but i think if you hit your own guy you should get a penalty because in the reason he hit the guy was he, he went through too many pit boxes and they didn't give him that penalty either i think because he didn't go all the way through he backed back up but I, I like it was once again, I sort of I, I don't know all the intricate rules, but like when they came back out and they said he was still on the lead lap and then he never went in for a stop and go. I was like, those were two uncontrolled tires. I like they were all over the effing place. So, yeah, I think that if someone else hits your guy, tires go no penalty. If you hit your own guy. Yeah. And a kudos it seems reasonable. Crew. Shoot, kudos to the pit crew member because he came back and served on Denny Hamlin's uh, yeah. pit crew team on Sunday's race. So showing some. I just, I just, toughness. I just thought the fact because when they showed the replay, like car, it affected what other cars did. So I think there should be anytime you affect what other cars do, I think there, there should be a penalty involved because you're screwing with the results of the race. And so we complained a little bit, and now we're going to compliment. And the beauty of having no practice and no qualifying. <laughs> is during uh, these Xfinity races, we're starting to see some cup guys get into the TV booth. And on Saturday, it was Eric Amarola and Kurt Busch. And you and I both agreed that they were fantastic on the broadcast. I, I mean, I, I love they, like Kurt, like he'll even call up camera angle. He seems like a director producer type guy. He's like uh, on the uh, Noah rear end and star. Like he's like, hey, if we can get this view or whatever, like he knows the views and stuff. And I just, I find him so much more likable than I used to just from his broadcast. And like I told you, Eric Amarola, Amarola, I heard him talk more in that race than the last 4,269 years. Um, I just think it shows, like one of the things I was looking for is some character from the people. And it's hard to see it when they're in the car with their helmet on, but to, to hear them talk and it, it, you get some interesting perspective on stuff. Like yeah. Kurt Busch was talking about all the stuff you go through on a restart. And I just found that fascinating. All this, like he went back, he's like, hey, going back to my drag racing days. And he was talking about all the stuff, like you're looking this way, that way. That was just impressive what he was rattling off. And, you know, when we see these guys, it's, you know, always on a race day, they're in a different mindset. And then, you know, post-race, depending on how it went, they're either pissed off or they're happy and you don't really get to see who they are. And that's the one thing, you know, I like about uh, Jeff Gordon and Clint Boyer as well as you you get to see these guys and you get to see the knowledge that they have and everything like that. And I think both crews do a phenomenal job, but I do like getting uh, these cup guys in there uh, in the booth for the Xfinity series. 
So moving on, where uh, Sunday's cup race was just as exciting as Saturday's Xfinity, William Byron won his second career race and uh, first with his new crew chief, who's a rookie in the cup series, Rudy Fugel. Uh, and him and Fugel have a relationship as he was his crew chief uh, when they were in the truck series. And it was nice to see William Byron get a pretty nice win. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we talked about it when Ty Gibbs won that he moved up two classes. Well, God, I lost a bit. Rudy Fugel had moved up to like he hasn't done anything on Xfinity. He went straight from trucks to um, the Cup, and I know the setup's different from Xfinity and Cup, but it's a lot different from trucks than Cup. I mean, you're dealing with an effing truck. As opposed to cars, so the fact that he was able to move up to basically two weight classes was pretty damn impressive. And it was pretty cool to see that, that you know they still have that tight relationship because when William when he was given his uh, interview with TV after he won, Fugel hops over the wall and you know gives him a big hug and everything like that. So it was nice to see that relationship uh, paying off early on and getting a victory uh, in just their third race together in the Cup Series. Yeah, and uh, I, I was going to say that, um, like, we picked the races and, like, we sort of did awful picking it. But, uh, well, I did more awful than I you. Did I did not. I picked Tyler Reddick, who finished second, and Kevin Hart. Oh, that, well, yeah, that's right. But you didn't commit You didn't commit to him as your the pick. Um, like, I did. <laughs> it's sad. I did more research after the race than before the race. But uh, William Byron really shouldn't have been an unexpected winner. Um, he only ran one truck race there, and he won. And he only ran one Xfinity race there, and he finished in third. And then the last time in the trucks, he or in the cup, he finished ninth. So he's performed very well there in all sorts of vehicles. So it really should not have been a, a surprise. Um, and he looked good all day too. You know, they saw he started way back uh, in the back, started 31st, and he just slowly but steady made his way up to the top. And then once he got up there, he just kind of got away from everybody. I mean, and that bodes well for the for the team. If a lot of a lot of races are these one and a half miles, and if you can set it up like that every time, that we had four racers that we said were were doing well, Larson. Truex, Reddick, and oh, the winner, Byron. Like those were, and Busher until I don't know what the hell happened. That yeah. that one restart, he just dropped off the face of the earth, but he was showing some good speed. Um, the one thing I wanted to mention, I finally found a note. Um, he was the youngest winner at Homestead, yeah, Byron. So, so the, the, um, the it bodes well for the future of the twenty four car. Um, we've seen that win quite a bit back in the day, so. Well, I thought it was cool, too, that Jeff Gordon kind of mentioned it. He said, you know, it's kind of cool to see the rainbow color 24 at the front of the pack. And then Clint Boyer's like, yeah, I stole way too much of that during my <laughs> <laughs> So it was nice to see, you know, Jeff Gordon kind of realizing that, too. And Hendrick, I mean, they've just uh, – they've won, what, 38 straight years. They've had a winning car in the Cup Series. So continuing that trend. And not that they – we didn't think that they wouldn't win this year. I mean, they had the Cup champion last year. But just shows the consistency that they've been able to have. Oh, and for a future, uh, for future reference, I think he's, I think they're four 
races behind Richard Petty Enterprises or whatever for most wins all time. We'll have to dig up that note for Thursday to talk about, along with Matt Bendetto and Wood Brothers who didn't get their 100th win. I, I meant to start off our Cup Series. That's going to be my shtick. Every time we preview or recap a race, the Wood Brothers, they're looking for that 100th win. But one guy that you mentioned that had a really good race was Tyler Reddick, and he is one that started 35th, and by the end of the race, I mean, he just ran out of laps, but he was riding that high line that he loved so much, and he was just cutting into Byron's lead and just caught up to Truex, caught up to Larson, and he kind of had a little bit of trouble because they were blocking the high line on him, and so he had to go down a little bit lower, and that's where he'd get loose, and then he just hopped right back in, but Man, if he had about 10 more laps or what we were talking about is how awesome that shootout would have been if there was a late yellow uh, to get those cars a little bit uh, bundled up. But he had a great race uh, finishing second, and it kind of ruined my Monday night because after the race, he mentioned that if he would have won, everybody would have gotten free chicken tenders uh, from Cheddar's. Yeah, I mean, and we were talking about it. There needs to be more food sponsorships and BOGO and free because like Exalta one, like who wants free, like a uh, wiener pills? Is that, is that wiener pills or what? What's <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's pain. <laughs> it's pain. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess if I was painting something, I want a free bucket of paint, but yeah, we need more food or whiskey sponsors giving out BOGOs if their driver wins. If you want to drive, if you want to get more people involved, that's how you do it. You know, yeah. like I now love Cheddar's. And I want Tyler Reddick to win everything. And I'm going to, no, but we're going to be unbiased, but I, you know, if it's free paint, which they're not even offering free paint. Yeah. Like, I think they're just, hey, our name's on this car, but Cheddar's is all in. It's like at breakfast, the pig, you have the pig and the chicken. The pig gives his life to breakfast. The chicken just sacrifices his eggs. Like Cheddar's is the pig, and the, they're sacrificing their food. Exalta's just like, they're like, oh, you can have our name, and we'll paint your car a rainbow. Um, just come on, more food, yeah. people. Give us some food. You know, Chase Elliott wins. We get uh, BOGO at Hooters. Bogo, yeah. I think, you know, if Bubba Wallace wins, I think we should get, you know, $10 off or some deal off DoorDash. Yeah. So I think we could we could work in some sponsors. So if anybody with NASCAR has got some ideas, just give us a call. We're we're full of them. But and we're seeing a lot more whiskey sponsors. So yeah. I, you know, I'll we'll take a fifth. Yeah, we're not opposed. Go. We're not. Sorry, I interrupted. Uh, another guy that I wanted to bring up was Michael McDowell. And Thomas, when do we start taking him seriously as a legit contender? Because he, we've been at three different tracks, and he's recorded three top 10 finishes won the daytona 500 finished ace at the road course and then sixth yesterday i'm gonna need to see two more races okay <laughs> well the funny thing is and my original thought was gonna be like he we don't need to take him seriously because he's locked in the playoffs but the way we're going is he <laughs> and i was looking up I was looking up tiebreakers now if there's more people it's good it's based off points if you have the yeah so he's good in that situation but yeah it's as long as he he keeps finishing top 10 it, well the thing is the early win takes the I takes the pressure off so like now all your your pit decisions and whatnot aren't hey we got to win to get in it's hey we got to win to keep building on this good start we have so i i mean i think the the pressure's taken off of him and i read something about 
now that he's locked into the charter thing, they're getting like more money into the, their program, which is going to help him contend. So I say two more raises and then I'll have him. I take him seriously as a NASCAR driver, take them all seriously as NASCAR drivers, but take them seriously to finish being that top eight or four. I think two or three more races of contending would help. And another guy I wanted to bring up, he ran into some bad luck. It's either on uh, with three laps to go or two laps to go. Cole Custer was running into the top 10, ended up getting a flat tire, and he fell all the way back and finished 23rd. But he was a guy that had a really good race as well, would have gotten a top 10 finish had his tire not gone out. Well, I mean, it, it was pretty funny because I'm taking notes, and one of the things I was going to talk about today, like at the end of the race, was just how last year's rookies are doing with Bell winning last week, and then Reddick and Custer were going to finish in the top 10 this week. And then I got the... Like I got the final results up on the web. I was like, where the hell? <laughs> I didn't like, I yeah. figured maybe he ran out of gas until we saw the note that he had the flat tire, but yeah, he was, he was fourth, fifth, that whole end, end of the second stage. He was fourth, fifth, sixth. So, yeah, I mean, it's, that was a really good, it's sad because that was a really good a rookie class. It'd be interesting to see what they would have done last year had they had practice time and uh, in the car. I think they could have done some damage last year. And the well, one thing that I noticed uh, on Sunday was some of these big dogs were never really in the fight. Denny Hamlin was supposed to start on the pole, uh, and he had to move to the back after an unapproved adjustment before the race. The NASCAR officials looked at his car, thought something was a little funky, looked at it, sent him to the back, and he struggled in the first stage, and then his tube and his helmet came out, so he lost air conditioning, and, and he's having some trouble. He was able to move into the top 10 in stage two and look like, okay, he's back. He was able to get through the field. Now let's see what he can do. And then in stage three, he got caught going 50.09 miles per hour in the pits for a penalty. The speed limit on pit road was 45, and they give him a five-mile-per-hour tolerance. So he was .09 above that tolerance and had to serve a penalty, and then he uh, wasn't able to recover from that. Still finished on the lead lap, but finished 11th and just kind of put him out of contention. And then the other big dogs that we uh, were never really in the fight, Chase Elliott, he took the lead for about a half a lap and then disappeared. Kyle Busch really was never in it. And then Logano and Keselowski were in the lead early. And Keselowski, I believe, won the first stage, led a bunch of lap. Or no, Busher won the first stage, sorry. And, but Kozlowski was up there and then they kind of pitted halfway through stage three and then they were never seen again. Yeah. I mean, they, they started out at the front. I think the clean air really helped them. And then, yeah, but once Busher got the lead, he was like, it was amazing how dominant his car was. And then like, once it got dark, it just dropped off. But those other ones, like I, like I, I regret very few things in life picking Joey Logano to win that race. Like, I like, I don't know where my math came out on that one, but he finished with 25th and he was never after that first stage, he was never in it. And it was amazing just how bland he was considering. I mean, he's run fairly decent there in the past. So that was, and that was strange to see. And I, it's like, you wonder last year, like Kyle Busch, did he went the whole year without a win? Did he not? Yeah. Yeah, he didn't win. I'm like, 
like I feel like maybe one of these guys might go the whole year without a win. Interesting. Is that your bold prediction for the year? No, it's not. I'm not predicting that, but they might. It got that feel just just to have them not be competitive at all was I mean, normally that you're at least competitive in I don't know, fifty percent of a race if you're one of those guys. How shady is that uh that just walking by and noticing wrong something wrong in the car. I feel like <laughs> I feel like one of the other teams might have like jacked around with their car and said, Hey, walk by that car. <laughs> that shady dealings there. Yeah. Well, you uh, we mentioned Busher had a really good car. Roush Fenway Racing had a pretty good day. Uh, the other car, Ryan Newman in the six, beautiful Oscar Meyer hot dogs Ford. Uh, he finished in the top 10 and uh, finished in seventh place. So, they, I mean, they had a pretty good day. Uh, Busher just wasn't able. You mentioned the restart on uh, in stage three and just kind of never really got back into it there. But Newman with a top 10 finish as well. It, it was just such a weird restart because, like everyone was saying, don't get in the middle. Like you either want to be high or you want to be low, don't get in the middle. And he let himself, he was a second car from the wall, <laughs> five wide, which you never, ever, ever want to be. And then it was like they put an anchor on his car. It just, it dropped and everyone shot by. It was like everyone had new tires and he didn't. But the only person who had new tires was Truex. So, and then he was... It was weird how the track was, though, because once you were in the back, unless you had new tires, you were – everyone seemed to be going the same speed. And the, uh, this will be the last one. Truex, his day, I, I think he had one of the best cars all day. He was just – you could tell in the long runs that he had a really, really good car, and he ended up finishing third, so he was able to pass Larson on that last lap. But uh, he just had a great day. And, you know, really, Joe Gibbs Racing kind of struggled. I mean, they uh, – Kyle Busch finished 10th, Hamlin uh, finished 11th, and Christopher Bell finished 20th. So Truex was really the lone guy that really threatened from Joe Gibbs racing, but I thought he had a really good race as well. And that's what I've been looking for. He uh, he sort of lost that last year in the playoffs. Um, he still needs consistency. The thing that screwed him last year in the playoffs is, A, the penalty he had, and then, uh, B, he had a couple 24th, 25th place finishes. So it was good to see him back up there rumbling that car. Uh, when they get it going, they get it going pretty good. So before we wrap things up, we'll just break down the standings in the Cup Series. Denny Hamlin is still in first place with 139 points. He is 20 points clear of Kevin Harvick. Joey Logano in third with 108 points. Michael McDowell, as of right now, in the playoffs with one uh, race win. He is fourth with 106 points and is one point ahead of Chase Elliott who's fifth, and Kurt Busch with 104 with six. And again, the other race winners uh, with a spot in the playoffs already is Christopher Bell, who's in seventh, and William Byron, who's in 13th. Yeah, and I noticed you jinxed Ryan Priest last week. Did I? Yeah, you did, just a little <laughs> bit. Um, Like, to me, I just, like this is two straight years of Bush fighting it. So I don't know. They, they need to get something turned around with that car. Um, I, I love Daniel Suarez's 15th place finish. And I mean, he's 22nd, but it, that's a first year team. So it, it, it bodes well for their future in the long run that he, he's pretty competitive in a first year car. And then I'm wondering, uh, 
What is going on with my Wood Brothers? <laughs> Matt DiBenedetto in 34th, only 14 points. Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing because he was so competitive last year. The fact that they are, they're scuffling in the 30s. Um, I mean, he's got less points than Jamie McMurray, who ran in one race. Yeah. So. Yeah, you mentioned Kyle Busch sitting in 18th place right now, which is 62 points. Well, that will wrap up week three. And that is our sixth episode of the Loose Lug Nuts podcast. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at Loose Lug Nuts Pod. We support the far. Uh, hopefully, we get some more followers up. We only have 28 as of taping. So go follow us. Uh, and we'll be back uh, next week. We're heading out west to Las Vegas. So we'll preview that race a little bit later this week. And I know you're excited because the trucks are back as well. I am. It's a full weekend. Um, but hey, hey, much like Clint Boyer. Uh, when he said, I wouldn't admit that uh, my helmet hose came undone over the radio, I wouldn't admit I had 28 followers on the broadcast. <laughs> hey, man, we're growing, and uh, I'm going to keep saying it, but we're the fastest-growing NASCAR podcast in the country, and I, I believe Until it. you can prove us otherwise, gig them. Yep. Well, all right, guys, well, that will do it for Episode 6 of Loose Lug Nuts, the NASCAR podcast by the average fan. For the average fan, for Thomas Dick, I'm Evan Roberts. We'll see you a little bit later this week as we preview all three races uh, out in Las Vegas. Thanks for listening, guys. Deuces. Some neighbors were saying way too loud. That's only in the morning. You're supposed to be up cooking breakfast or somebody. That's like an alarm clock. Woo-hoo!